begin there. Uh, we're continuing in a series of blessing. Our overarching title for this whole campaign is called Revitalize, and we've done a bunch of series within the series under revitalization. Uh, we are going to be wrapping up the ABC of words today. I think this is the sixth week. I think it's part six, ABC of words, part six. And we're going to talk a little bit today about the power that words have. Most people don't understand it. Most people don't get it. But we are going to um, make sure that you understand the power that your words have. Did you turn to Isaiah 61? Did I tell you that already? Did I have to tell you that? No, you knew, huh? Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, which is the year of favor and grace, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to console those who mourn in Zion. I like this part. To give them beauty for ashes. You give him what? Ashes, he gives you what? Beauty beauty, the oil of joy for mourning. You give him mourning. What does he give you? Joy and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. What do you give him? Heaviness. What does he give you? The garment of praise. Good. That they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified and they shall rebuild the old ruins. Say revitalize. They shall raise up the former desolation. Say revitalize. And they shall repair the ruined city. Say revitalize the desolation of many generations. So we see revitalization consists of rebuilding, raising up, and repairing. But the first three verses are God doing something on the inside of us. God wants to do something in us, and then God wants to do something through us. Everybody say, God wants to. God desires to. Do something in me, and do something through me. Say it again. God desires to do something in me, and do something through me. So God doesn't just raise you up and take you out of darkness into the marvelous light. He don't take you out of drug addiction into freedom. He doesn't take you out of death unto life. He doesn't take you out of sickness into health. He doesn't do that for no reason at all. So you can say, whoa, I'm glad I'm pain-free. There's a reason you're pain-free. There's a reason you're liberated. There's a reason you have the money you have. There's a reason you have the influence you have. There's a reason you have the gift, the talent, and the anointings that you have. So you have to ask yourself, God, what is the reason? What is my, what is my purpose in life? Why am I here? And when you ask him that, he is going to give you an answer. So we're continuing in a series, part six of the ABCs of words, and we've been talking about this faith confession, all right? And a faith confession is a statement that I make in line with God's word, even though there's nothing in the natural realm, there's nothing in, out there I can see, it's based on God's word. So I read it in God's word and I say it because it's true. I know that God cannot lie. Everything God says is truth. So even if my life does not line up with God's word, I'm not going to think there's something wrong with the word. I'm saying there's something wrong with my life. Lord, what do I need to do to get my life to line up with your word? I'm not going to try to water it down. You know, some he likes and some he doesn't. Some he will and sometimes, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. You don't find that in the Bible. He says I ought to win every time. So if I've been losing, I need to ask myself, okay, God, what adjustments do I need to make in order to start winning in these areas where I've been losing? I'm not going to make excuses and be like, oh, well, you know, I, I did my best or, you know, maybe next time. No, 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 no. He says, then this is the victory overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith puts, in a, puts us in a position to overcome the world. That is the world's system. Doesn't matter what the world system is saying. Doesn't matter what the economy is saying. Doesn't matter who's in office. None of that matters. What matters is that God is on the throne. He's put us in a position to win. We are in covenant with him and it can go no other way. Now, people are orient, oriented 
People are benefit-oriented. You want to know what the benefit is. Especially this younger generation. The older generation, they was going to stay in there and grind it out with no benefit in sight. But the younger generation, they are going, they want to know what the benefit is. And if they can find a benefit from at company B better than benefit company A, they're bouncing. And then they bounce to C. And then they bounce to D. And then they bounce and you'd be like, wait, 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 wait. You can't leave here for there for another dollar because there might be something over there that you don't like. So we have to understand that there is something about understanding the benefits and seeing the bigger picture. You don't buy cars. You buy the benefit the car gives you. You buy the benefit that the car gives you. It's reliable. Your family will be so safe. It's, 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 a, it's a fuel economy. You'll, you'll pay less at the gas pump. It's a status symbol. People will look at you and be like, oh, they ball and look at them. Whatever the benefit is, people don't buy cars. They buy benefits. It's fuel. This is the greatest resale value on the market. You'll be able to sell it for 80% of its value in five years. People are looking for the benefits. Now, the enemy does not want you to maximize your mouth because he understands the benefits of your salvation package. He wants you to talk all kind of stuff. He don't want you to think he wants your, uh, your communication to be contaminated. He wants it to be careless. He wants it to be all those things. He wants you to say half truth. He wants you to exaggerate. He wants you to, <laughs> he wants you to tell stuff you don't even know is true. He wants you to do all of those things because he realized there is a miracle in your mouth. Say there's a miracle in my mouth. Say it again. There's a miracle in my mouth. Say it again. He, there's a miracle in my mouth. He wants you to say what you see. He wants you to walk by sight and not by faith. And he will use lies and anything else to work in your life to get you to not have the promises that God wants you to have and that Jesus died to give you. But how many of you know the devil is a liar and I'm going to have what Jesus died to give me? How about you? Say, I will have what Jesus died to give me. Now listen, if Jesus died to give it to me, that means he wants me to have it. And he's put me in a position to receive it. And I receive it by the words of my mouth. So let's look at six reasons that people stop confessing the word of God. Six reasons that people stop confessing the word of God. Six, how many? Six reasons people stop confessing the word of God. Reason number one, the natural facts are more real to them than spiritual truth. Number one, natural facts are more real to them than spiritual truth. Natural facts are more real to them. Now, I need you to locate yourself. Okay, this is not one-on-one I'm asking. Is that you? Is that you? I'm not doing that. This is between you and the Lord so you can identify yourself because he'll use any one of these or any combination of them to get you to stop saying the word of God. Anything can get you to shut your mouth, he's got you. You'll still go to heaven, but you won't bring heaven down here. And it's God's will that heaven come down here on the earth. And that we establish a garden of Eden everywhere we go. We're supposed to have dominion down here. We're supposed to be fruitful and multiply. We're supposed to be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, the head, the front and not the back, the lender and not the borrower. That's who we're supposed to be. That's who we are. But we have to do certain things to bring it into reality in the earth realm. How many of you ready to do what you need to do? I said, are you ready to do what you need to do? In your personal life and in the kingdom? So natural facts are more real to them than spiritual truth. Natural facts have a mouth. Spiritual truth has a mouth. And they both 
talk. Have you ever had your natural facts talking to you? Yes, you have. I know you have. Uh-huh. They tell you, they tell you all kinds of stuff. You're not gonna make it. God don't love you. He's not gonna answer your prayer. If he love you, why are you still struggling? Them naturally just speaking to you. You always in debt. You'll always be in debt. You'll always have a mortgage. You'll always have car notes. You'll always have maxed out credit cards. You'll always have a messed up relationship. Your kids will always be giving you blues. You'll always be stressed out. You'll always be worried. You'll always be anxious. You'll always be fearful. He tells you that over and over and over and over and over again. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. That's a principle. So if you hear that over and over and you don't stop the enemy in his tracks, guess what? You're going to start to believe that. You're going to start to say that and you're going to start to act on that. So what do we need to do? We need to make sure spiritual truth is speaking louder than these natural facts. So when the enemy starts saying what he wants to say, I pull my word out and I begin to declare what thus saith the Lord. Oh, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against me in judgment shall be condemned. I'm on top and not the bottom. I thank you that, Father, that you caused me to be victorious in every area and every aspect of my life. Oh, what am I doing? I'm voicing spiritual truth. And when you voice spiritual truth, it causes that spiritual truth to come alive and to materialize in your life. Number one reason that people stop confessing the word of God is that the natural facts are more real to them than spiritual truth. So we got to have a double dose of the word of God. We got to let God's word speak louder than anything else. Number two, they're not going to say it if they can't see it. The second reason people stop confessing the word of God is because they are not going to say it, God's word, Unless they can see it. That's how it works in the world. In the kingdom, we say it first and then we see it. So people will stop confessing the word because they can't see it. And I'm telling you, you have to say it, say it, say it so you can see it, see it, see it. If you don't say it, say it, say it, you will never see it, see it, see it. Salvation was a reality, sure enough. It wasn't a reality in your life until you said something out of your mouth. It wasn't like God worked up salvation the minute you spoke it out of your mouth. That's not how it works. God lays it all out on the table. He's got the salvation package, but it becomes a reality to me when I say it out of my mouth. Then it materializes in this realm, in this world. But it's already a, a, a reality in the invisible world. It's already true out there. It's already done. Christ is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the Word. God's not working stuff up for you. It's already done. Aren't you glad it's already done? Whatever you're praying God, praying to God for, it's already done. And we don't have to see it. We know it's done because God promised it in His Word. So number one, natural facts are more real than the spiritual truth. Number two, I'm not going, they don't, they're not going to say it until they see it. They walk by sight. Number three, I like this one. They're not going to risk people not giving them the help they need. I'm going to explain it. Let me give it to you again. Number three, they're not going to risk. They stop confessing the word because they're not going to risk people not giving them the help they need. One more time. Maybe two more if you still need it. They're not going to risk people not giving them the help they need. It's something about being a poor mouth that's, that, 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 that plays on the heartstrings of people. And sometimes people will come to your rescue because you're a poor mouth. Now, sometimes poor mouth will get you like, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm staying away from her because she always got, uh, not you, not you. I'm just, I just pointing that way. We'll make, that, we'll make that clear. I'm not talking about Minister Rita. But you know, you get a poor mouth, sometimes it gets you some attention. 
Oh, what's wrong with you? Oh, what's wrong with you? Oh, what's wrong with you? I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for someone to notice us. Look on my face. I'm just waiting for someone to notice my head is down. I'm just waiting. So people think if they start confessing all is well, they might forfeit someone in the natural helping them. But guess what? What you need is not coming from people. It comes from God through people. Did you hear what I said? Listen, 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 listen. It's not coming from people. It's coming from God through people. God has to use people in the earth, sure enough. But what you need is not coming from them. So that sad look on your face is not going to get you what you need. It might get you what you want, but it's not going to get you what you need. It comes from God through people. And they think if I start saying all is well and all isn't well, then it's going to forfeit someone helping me. But what they're going to give me is going to be temporary at, at best. So what am I going to do? I'm going to say what God says. Turn with me in your Bibles to um, 2 Kings 4. 2 Kings 4. Somebody shout, all is well. Come on, shout it. All is well. Shout it again. All is well. Look at that poor mouth. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. That pitiful whatever you want to try to do, that's not going to work. It's going to get you some attention from some people. Someone's going to rub your back, but the enemy's going to jump on you on all fours again because that's only temporary. What we need is God to do something on the inside. Well, we can stare adversity in the face and not let people know. He said, when you're fasting, he said, don't go and drop your head. Oh, I'm so hungry. I've been fasting. He said, wash your face. Get yourself dressed up. No one should be able to know what's going on. Do you have second Kings four? A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, saying, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. I'm sorry. Let's. 2 Kings 4, verse 1. Jump down to verse 8. I got to move. Now it happened one day that Elijah went to Shunem where there was a notable woman. Say a notable woman. I like notable women. And she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. I guess she could really cook, huh? She offered one time. Now it says every time he came through. He stopped over to get him something to eat. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and the table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. So they built an addition on the house for the man of God. And when he comes through, they said, don't stay anywhere else. Come here. We're going to take care of you. Jump down to verse 14. You got to read the whole story, but I'm going to read parts of it. So he said, what then is to be done for her in response to what she did for him? He's talking to his guy, Gehazi. And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he called her. When he called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. That word lie, don't, don't let that throw you off. She wasn't accusing him of lying. It's got a whole different context. She was just, say, don't play with me, all right? But the woman conceived based on the man of God's word and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elijah had told her, all right? Jump down to verse... 20, 18, let's look at 18. And the child grew. Now it happened one day, say one day. 
that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to a servant, carry him to his mother. <laughs> Just like a man, huh? <laughs> Where's your mama, boy? <laughs> You know, women, they just have that nurturing, that nurturing um, gene, that nurturing part of it. It's just easy for them to take care of people that need to be taken care of. It's hard. Men can do it, but it's just, I think it's more work for us. Anyway, um, when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat her on her knee till noon. And then, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him and went. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I might run to the man of God and come back. So he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. well." Now, what happened to her son? Then what can you tell me about this son? They had tried for some time to have a child, right? And when the man of God said to her, you're going to have a son. She's like, don't play with me. It's okay. I've already, I'm I'm okay. It's all right. I'm good. I don't want to get my hopes up. I've been waiting for this my whole life. I've been wanting this my whole life. Truth be told, I still want it, but I'm acting like I don't want it because it's been so painful not to have a child. Truth be told, this is all a facade. What you see, I still want a child. All right? And when a child dies, she didn't lose it. Oh, I knew this was going to happen. Where could you live? How could you do this? Lord, why? What was her first response? Then she saddled up the donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her after uh, afar off that he said to his servant, Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Number one, is it well with your husband? Number two, and is it well with your child? Number three. And she answered, she answered what? Was it well? That's a trick question. What did she know? She she knew what? Did Did she know that child was dead? Yes. If she didn't think the child was dead, she wouldn't have gone. She knew that child was dead, but she also knew the man of God had what? Power. An anointing, whatever you want to call it. And whatever happened to that child, it could be reversed because the child got there through a miracle. So the child can come back through a miracle. How many of you had God work miracle in your life? I mean, you still search and wonder and try to figure it out and you're like, you know what? This was the Lord's doing. I do not know To this day, I do not know. I just know that that was the Lord, and he's the same God, and he changes not. If he worked miracles back then, if he worked a miracle for this child to be born, he can work a miracle for this child to come back to life. It is well. Tell somebody, all is well. Come on, tell them all is well. Say, all is well. Dead, what they say, as a doornail? That boy was dead sure enough. No life dead. Graveyard dead. But guess what? The power of God? That that hadn't died. It was still available. And she went to the man of God. Turn over to um, verse 32. When Elijah came into the house, there was the child lying. 
lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite woman. So he called her. And when she came into him, she said, pick up your, he said, pick up your son. So she went in, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. All is well. And we have to learn how to call those things that be not as though they were. God speaks life to things that are dead and they've got to come back to life. He does that through us. Say all is well. So that pity you're trying to get from people, just throw that out the window and know that God is going to meet your need. And when God meets your need, it's met, sure enough. So number one was what? Natural facts are more real to them than spiritual truth. Number two, they're not going to say it if they can't see it. Number three, they're not going to risk not giving the people, not giving them the help that they need. They got the poor mouth syndrome. All right. Number four, they need acceptance. Number four, they need acceptance from people who don't understand. They stop confessing a word because they need acceptance from people that they don't understand. Their family members don't understand. So they stop confessing a word. Church people that are religious And go to church on Sunday as a fashion show. Go to church on Sunday because their mom taught them. This is what you do on Sunday. They go to church like they go any other place as a part of a club, as a part of a social activity, as a part of their normal routine. But they don't believe the power of God's word. You're going to let those individuals stop you from confessing God's word when the reason that you're saved right now is because you confess God's word? I don't think so. If you need acceptance from people who don't understand faith, you will stop confessing God's word. Number five, they stop confessing the word of God, number five, because nothing is happening. Or so they think. Nothing is happening. Or so they think. Oh, there's something happening. You just can't see it. You can tell there's something happening in your body if they can't see it, right? Like something's, uh, something's just not, mm, I'm just not feeling right. I'm just not feeling right. Or man, I feel good today. You wake up some days, you're like, man, I can feel something. Uh, there's something going on in my body, right? Same thing in your mind. You know, I'm just not thinking like I should. You, you can't see it, but you, oh, I'm sharp today. I'm ready today, right? Yes, and that, that's what happens. So it happens in the spirit realm. It happens in the, in the natural realm. And if you don't see it, that means nothing. Everybody say, me not being able to see it means nothing. Say it means nothing. We don't need to be able to see it to believe it. We believe it because God says it. Nothing is happening, so I'm going to stop. It could be that the enemy has blinded you from seeing what what, the Bible says, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Stuff doesn't grow overnight. Stuff happens underneath. When you plant a seed, something happens in the ground that you can't see. They tell me the roots grow down first to find a good support, su- supply of water. Then once they grow down to find a good su- support, a supply of water, then they start growing up. 
So the activity in the seed goes down first. The activity in God's word is to stabilize us first to give us a good foundation. So when the winds of life blow and the, the trials of life come and people get to trip in, we're like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. We will not be moved. Come on, tell somebody, I'll be, I won't be moved. Say, I won't be moved. Say it again, I won't be moved. No matter how long it takes, I won't be moved. And then you'll be surprised who God raises up to help you. I won't be moved. I won't be moved, Pastor Johnson. Hey, I might sway. I might bend a little bit, but I'm not going to break. Why? Because I'm rooted and grounded in the word of God. Hey, I will not be moved. They quit saying the word of God because nothing is happening to the natural eye. But guess what? Something's happening in the spirit realm. Something's happening in the spirit realm. Every time you say the word of God, there's something that happens in the spirit realm. Every time. Not every other time. Every time. And the spirit realm and the natural realm, we contact the natural realm with our physical body. So you may not even feel anything. You confess healing, you may not feel anything. Matter of fact, the swelling might get worse, the pain might get worse. None of that matters. Why? Because the word of God is working at the root cause in the spirit realm. He's working deep down on the inside. Jesus didn't curse the leaves. He didn't curse the fruit. He didn't curse the branches. He didn't curse the bark. He didn't curse the trunk. He cursed the tree from the root and it dried up from the root. He went right to the source of the problem so that that, 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 that tree would never bear fruit again. Rotten fruit was a symptom. There is a symptom in your life. Whatever that symptom is can only be dealt with through the word of God in the spirit realm. And when we speak the word of God, we begin to deal with things in the spirit realm at the root. Something is happening in the spirit realm. I said something is happening in the spirit realm. In your life, in your marriage, in your business, in your mind, in your body. Something is happening in the spirit realm. Glory be to God. I don't have to see it. I heard God say it. I don't have to feel it. I I read it in the word of God. And once God says it in his word, it's done. Number six. They nullify. People stop confessing the word because they nullify the potential and the power of the faith confession. They nullify the potential, and the power of the faith confession. They nullify it. They, 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 really, don't, they really don't believe. Now, you, you, I mean, how many of you had someone say something to you that just hurt you so bad? I mean, I mean, it's it, it just like you couldn't, you couldn't sleep at night. I mean, the pain of that thing was so deep when they said that to you. It was like, oh, my gosh, I, that, the, the pain was almost unbearable. It's the power of words. You'd rather have someone cut you. They can stop the bleeding. They can stitch it up. They can give you some pain medicine and after a while it'll be healed. But emotional hurt? Man. Man. That's the power of words. Well, the same way we can be hurt emotionally with words, we can be built up and taken to a whole other level with words. 
When we begin to unleash the power in God's word, it, it, it gives us a whole different attitude. It might just be three words. All is well. It might just be three words. All is well. That's all you can muster up, the pain. All is well. Supernatural power of God is still available. All is well. All is well. All is well. All is well. It's the supernatural power of God. All is well. All is well. All is well. Said it, was, said it was a man had lost, I guess, his whole family. This was back in the day. Had lost his whole family. And they traveled by ship back then. And the man looked over the side of the ship and saw the ocean. And they said he wrote this hymn of the church. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, he has taught me to say, it is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well. It is well. It is well. It is well. I'm telling you, it's never going to be perfect in your life, so you got to learn how to say by faith, it is well. The devil's always going to come for you, but you got to learn how to say it is well. You got to learn how to open up your mouth and declare, Lord, I'm in pain right now, but all is well. I receive your healing now. I receive your abundance now. I receive your joy now. I receive your peace now. And I declare out of my mouth, it is well. Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Father, we thank you that it is well today.